Good morning or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you very much for downloading this Southampton versus Leicester City big match build-up show. Joining us on the show this week then and talking us through the draw at Wolverhampton Wanderers, stopping the losing rot at the Molyneux. And we also chat Saints best defender this season, Mr. Var. Uh, you can find out where we signed him from and who scouted him from the black box later on in the show. We also chat the importance of Ings and previewing, of course, the Leicester City game is the co-host of the Saints FC podcast, Mr. Tom Parker. So do stay tuned as we sink our teeth into all things Saints as we prepare to host the Fearless Foxes this Friday in front of the flamethrowers and the fireworks and all sorts of fanfare. But uh, Saints desperate to kickstart our home form, currently the worst in the league. We take your comments live on YouTube and uh, we try to cover almost everything in this little extended match build-up show. So thank you very much then for listening. Let's get on with it. And this is the Southampton versus Leicester City match build-up show. the line this evening then uh co-host of the saints fc podcast mr tom parker how the devil are you i'm really good how are you guys <laughs> doing there all well not too bad uh i thought we'd better sort of fill in for a little bit of uh john kind of kind of catchphrases whilst he's enjoying his holiday yeah. in portugal and this could almost be sort of episode 74 of the saints fc podcast yeah but you've, you've not got quite about the moustache yet but you know you can work on that you can work on that well, November's coming, so, um, you know, we might give it a shot. <laughs> John's, <laughs> John's race... been doing November for the last, like, about 10 years, but yeah. <laughs> John, you're going to have to send us some textbooks, mate, um, how to grow a moustache. <laughs> uh, right, so this is the sort of Leicester City match build-up show, then. Uh, do get your questions in on the live chat. I can see a few of you already joining us uh, on on the on YouTube right now. So get your questions in, anything you want to ask us, anything you want to ask Tom, um, how he grows his beard, how was his trip to uh, to Wolves. Uh, tell us uh, your sort of uh, uh, review on Wolves, Leicester at the weekend, our best defender of the season so far or anything else in between. But uh, Tom, let's start off then with uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers 1, Southampton 1. I uh, guess what is your sort of uh, general verdict on that? Well, it was great to stop the rot. I think that was the most important thing after three disappointing defeats, uh, particularly the manner in which we played over the last three games. I think it was really important that Saints put in a committed performance. I don't think anyone would argue it was a vintage team performance from Saints. Again, you know, the usual problems were there. We looked very shaky at the back, you know, doubling up on Jimenez. Um, Vestergaard looked very, very uh, soft, really, against, against Jimenez. And again, we were a bit wasteful in front of goal. But having said that, you know, it's a point. They've won their three previous games in a row. It's not an easy place to go. And I think if you'd have asked the 2000 Saints fans at Wolves if they'd have taken a point before the game, I think most of them would have said they would. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, would have taken a one or draw. A lot of us almost predicted it. I certainly did predict a Desmond 2 too. I think there were going to be goals in it. I can't see us ever sort of uh, keeping a clean sheet in the near future at all. And, and Wolves, as you say, you know, very good results recently winning away at Man City, Besiktas in the, Euro in the Europa League as well. But, um, I think we have to so, sort of also say before we even get to the, the decisions in, in VAR and, and, and obviously Danny Ings' goal, but as you said, I think we had a little bit of a, we're a bit ponderous in possession, I think. Um, you know, we had a bit of a reluctancy to shoot and I think Ralph has almost got a sort of 
uh, encourage that more often with a when you get a sight on, on goal, take a shot. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. We uh, fair played Danny Ings. I mean, he has a chance which is straight away into the second half, which is gifted to him, which he just sort of passes back to the, the Wolves keeper. We're not very deadly in front of goal, and and you know if you look, we do attack with pace, but then we kind of lack a final killer touch. I think Danny Ings is a fascinating footballer because he's not particularly big. You know, he's not someone you'd say holds the ball up. Like that's his skill, like a Graziano Pella was. He's not uh, particularly fast either, like a Redmond is. He's just a really, really good finisher. Um, and I, th- I think the problem we seem to lack is a real cutting edge, you know, balls across the six-yard box. If you look at what Man City do, where they sort of tear teams to shreds and then end up with just a sort of simple tap-in uh, from six yards, that's what we need to try. I mean, that's what we need to do. It's probably the hardest thing to do in football. But, you know, we do seem a bit laborious when we're going forward. It almost seems like because sometimes watching the Saints, we're almost trying to work it and sort of walk it into the net. In fact, yeah. you know, I said this to actually Matt at the weekend. You know, Danny Ings has now scored sort of four in a goal. It was sort of one of the, I guess, his best sort of purple patch in a Saints shirt. You know, the best sort of returning goals recently, and he's just fed on scratch. You know, just imagine what he can score with a with a playmaker behind him, sort of feeding him fantastic balls. Yeah, if you imagine what he'd have done with a Tadic, uh, you know, he'd have, he'd have easily be smashing double figures each season. I, th- I think Saints have, have, you know, we seem to be very comfortable pressing from the, I mean, we all know this, pressing from the front, that's when we're at our strongest. It's almost like uh, when we actually have the opportunity to think about what to do and to try and build an attack, that's where we struggle. We'd almost rather have, uh, you know, win the ball back and then try and attack from there. It's almost... Yeah, when we build up an attack, that's when we kind of lose our heads a little bit. Mm. Uh, there are certainly some triggers as well that whilst we are sort of pressing hard the pitch as well, um, you know, we're kind of trying to force them into areas, but we're also sort of sitting off for sort of periods of the game too. You know, we've seen sort of Danny Ings make those little bursts, put the goalkeeper under pressure as well. And that's where we sort of got a bit of return from that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at a lot of the goals he's scoring, they're quite cheap goals. Um, you know, the goal on Saturday was a great, great finish. But again, you know, if you're Wolves, you'd be desperately disappointed uh, with that goal. And so, you know, fair play to Danny Inks because he is making a, a silk purse out of Sal's here at the moment from Saints. Mm. Uh, right. We've got some questions uh, or comments already from uh, Lyndon. Hello once again. Hi, Lyndon. Uh, who is that sort of logo you've got there on your prefer picture? I don't know. You're going to have to tell us more in the comments. Uh, one more uh, comment from Saints. Right. Perfect. Uh, no, actually, which is my next one. Uh, Saints uh, sort of. Uh, wants to know how many decisions we've got in our favour this season. Tom, have you been counting? I think it's six now. Because mm. two on Saturday. Uh, VAR, you know, we've just, we've been saying he's our best defender. I mean, it's not hard. It's not a sort of difficult competition to win at the moment. But I think that's six now. and We've been very, very fortunate. My only worry is that we're getting VAR decisions where you'd think it'd be pretty obvious for the referee. I mean, the first Jimenez goal on Saturday... You could see clear as day it was a handball and the referees are almost becoming over-reliant on it. You know, they're scared to do anything unless VAR gives mm. them the go-ahead. But yeah, I think VAR has absolutely benefited Saints this season and long may it continue. Yeah, well, we've certainly, certainly due some good karma, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this is payback for, for May United at Wembley. I think this is sort of a, a long-term uh, karma that we're getting back. But yeah, it's definitely helping us out. And, and if you look... That that goal that the goal that wasn't 
uh, on Saturday, the Wolves goal uh, towards the end of the first half, mm. that would have been a real sucker punch for Saints. I don't know if Saints psychologically have been able to come back from that had it been given. And there's no way uh, any referee and any set of linesmen in the country would ever have disallowed that goal unless it had been disallowed by VAR. So, you know, Saints can be really grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, also, I think it also comes down to maybe the uh, the arrogance or the ego of the referee. You know, we've had the referee at the weekend was so reluctant to sort of make his own decisions. He wants to check with VAR, and also maybe sort of nineteen out of twenty of the Premier League officials want to go to VAR just to kind of kind of uh, please themselves, kind of just check over the review. But if you've got a character like Mike Dean, he I think he'd be more inclined to just say that's my decision. Mm. I think as well, the, the perverse thing is they go to VAR for some things and not for others. And VAR seems tremendously, well, I don't think this entire season, VAR has overruled uh, a penalty that's been given. So VAR is obviously given penalties. But when it comes to penalties like the the one given against Saints on Saturday, which, you know, I think the best will in the world, the, the, the clever Doherty played for it is probably the, the most polite thing you can say. That's where VAR should also step in and help referees and say, well, look, you know, what is the contact? The contact is the Wolves player essentially jumping into Hoiberg. So therefore, that's not a penalty. But instead, you know, you can be conned by a player. VAR should help you out. It doesn't. So it's a great system, but I think they need to tweak it. And the other thing I'd say is, is the time. Uh, you know, it was brilliant on Saturday when that Wolves goal towards the end of the first half was disallowed. But, you know, it took two or three minutes um, and they really need to get it faster. Well, Alan Shearer made a good point on match today at the weekend, actually. Other uh, other review shows are available, Premier League highlight show, but uh, Alan, Alan Shearer highlighted that, uh, you know, there is, there is a, a monitor on every touchline and every sort of, um, you know, dugout by the tunnel, but the, referee have not, the referees have not even attempted to even look at it and review their own decisions. Well, you just can't. I mean, there's something about referees, I think, you know, we've all played football and there's always something a bit, bit odd about uh, people who want to be referees. They, you never strike you as the sort of people that are going to want to row back on a decision they've made. But ultimately, you know, the game is so fast. The players are so clever now. You look at Doherty winning that penalty on Saturday. It's a very, very shrewd thing for him to do. Um, and, you know, referees need all the help they can get to make the right decisions. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's let's pick the bones and then of, of the two decisions that go for us this time. So the first one, just before the halftime break, uh, or oh, in fact, sort of uh, midway through the first half, yeah, was it? About that, yeah. uh, uh, it was the uh, the handball, obviously coming over the top. But once again, it is it is a a long high ball, which is bamboozled our defence. Yeah, completely right. I mean, the handball was clear as day. Um, I don't. There's no doubt about that, and you can sort of see the muted appeals from him and his probably showed that but again you're absolutely right it's a long high ball towards Vestergaard should be capable of dealing with it Jimenez is a big guy but he's nowhere near as big as Vestergaard and you know really we've got lucky because if if uh, if that hadn't been a handball you know Angus Gunn was in no man's land mm. Vestergaard was nowhere near him and, and you know it was a very shrewd finish but again you know teams are going to be looking at that you know on Saturday, Friday night Leicester are going to be looking at that and thinking get those high balls over the top to Vardy and cause yeah. Saints all sorts of problems. Absolutely. And we know what sort of damage Vardy can cause against the likes of, of Southampton defenders. But, you know, I think you've highlighted Angus Gunn there as well. I think it is a worrying sign that every time he comes off his line, I'm holding my breath. You know, that, that, that's, that is sort of very worrying from a, a goalkeeper. And, you know, it doesn't give you much or breathe you much sort of confidence in, in the man between the sticks if he's doing that all the time. 
No, and I think it, it's an interesting one because I'm not sure what McCarthy ever really did to justify being dropped. Um, but I, th- I think the problem we have with Gunn now is if you look, I think I think on Saturday, you know, Wolves didn't have many shots on target. I think they only had a couple. Mm. And again, you know, right, one is a penalty. You can't really expect him to save the penalty. It's a very, very well-taken penalty. But again, you know, if you look in the last sort of four or five games, the number of shots on target that Gunn has faced compared to the number of goals he's let in, you know, they're not good. I mean, if you look at the first goal against Tottenham, it was a bit soft. You know, we we're porous at the back and we need a goal. We need a real strong shot keeper. And I'm not quite sure right now if Angus Gunn is it. Yeah, I think it is about time that maybe Alex McCarthy replaces Angus Gunn in, in the in the lineup. And I said this in last week's show and I think to other commenters, you know, at the weekend, sort of, you know, uh, Ralph took uh, Shea Adams away from the the spotlight or the or the pressure. You know, to sit him out for a, for a week off or more than a few weeks now. He's he's been out of the start on eleven, but I think it's perhaps that Angus Gunn gets that sort of treatment. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, goalkeepers obviously, you know, they are more under scrutiny than any other player on the pitch, and if they make a mistake, it is generally a goal. I think one of the things we've seen from Ralph is a lot of tinkering. You know, everything that's you know from the frankly mad from Danso right back to the sort of perplexing and persevering with Vestergaard what I would say with Ralph is he does seem to be coming around to working out what is best certainly his best defences which is you know I think it's probably Bertrand at left back Yoshida Bednarek and then one of Valerie or Cedric the only bit there that you know he's not messed around with so far is the keeper um and you wonder if you know if Friday night goes badly for Saints, then it could be time for a change. Yeah, I think it is about time, and a lot of people are are becoming unsettled with that sort of uncertainty in 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 defence and and the goalkeeper situation as well. So, uh, moving on then to the second VAR decision, uh, I think again I'm going to use the word bamboozle because uh, I think if you look at the replay, Yoshida's I'm going to pick Yoshida out here, but his his body shape was in the total opposite direction of as the runner and the striker, and as the ball comes through, all right, all right, we get away with it to some extent as his foot is offside, but you know it's an easy ball once again. Again, sort of the, the defenders have got their body shapes all wrong here. Yeah, and from memory, I think it came from a Saints attack. It was a Wolves counter-attack and it looked like a perfectly good goal, to be honest. I mean, mm. If anything, when they when they started to do the VAR check, there was kind of a bit of a tasty 50-50 challenge in the build-up to it and you wondered if it was for that. But again, you know, they're bringing the game back quite some way. Uh, if you really think about it, probably is at least sort of three or four interactions happen after the offside. Um Saints were very, very lucky, to be fair. I mean, it, it's a right decision. But again, you know, as you say, our defending was off. Yoshida, who I thought otherwise had a very, very strong game, was all at sea. But I don't think it helps anyone. Uh, and you don't want to blame one player solely. It's not anyone's hopeful. Mm. But Vestergaard seems to be the sort of, you know, rather than providing order and a sense of um, seniority and a sense of discipline in there, he kind of almost... Make, seems to make other players panic, um, and I, you know, again, I just, I just don't think he's the right player for Saints now, and, and sadly, I don't think he's ever going to be the right player for Saints. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's worrying again. So sort of we've got we've got serious errors and sort of um, weaknesses in in that area of the pitch. You know, Vestergaard, this is the man that has sort of taught us player outfield in the entire 
in the entire division that's given us sort of all sorts of issues. You can't sort of jump off the ground to, to reach the header and he's getting bamboozled by a sort of long ball over the top as well. But as soon as that goal goes in, that's the moment I rushed downstairs. I thought, right, I'm going to skip the queue, get get a quick drink in before everybody starts rushing down. And then suddenly, whilst I'm in the gents, no goal. It was brilliant. I mean, I, it's, <laughs> I can't imagine how frustrating, you know, when I'm there and it, it goes against Saints. But, yeah, the Wolves fans have given it some good noise. And um, for anyone who's not been to Wolves, one of the one of the slightly odd things about being an away fan is the way they've designed the, the layout is that the away fans are all on one lower level, mm. very spread out. So it's very hard to get sort of noise going compared to what is a very noisy Wolves, uh, Wolves fans. And... They were giving it some large, and then when that goal was disallowed, it was absolutely it was a it was a real Kodak moment. It was absolutely brilliant. Mm, uh, brilliant, right? Uh, got some comments uh, coming through. Hello, good evening to uh, to Dean. Hello, there you are. There's your comment, uh, and a couple of comments from Jeff actually, who is uh, who says he's a steward uh, working on Friday night's game, and then the uh, the Bristol versus the Skates game on Saturday. Hello, Jeff, uh, and uh, the next comment he comes up with: We need to score a few more goals. We're, it's, we're averaging right now just one per game. Yeah, and the problem we have is that. Yeah, we're always going to concede. I think, yeah, we, we very rarely look like not conceding. So we have to start scoring more than one goal. Uh, it's quite obvious. And right now, we're just not looking capable of doing that. Even Nathan Redmond doesn't seem to be quite getting in the right positions. Strangely enough, uh, Buffal doesn't seem to offer any sort of goal-scoring threat. Um, it really is, you know, in a world where James Ward-Prowse isn't scoring, where Hoiberg's not scoring, uh, you know, we're solely reliant on Danny Ings right now. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a comment from uh, Saints once again joining us on the on the uh, on the comments just there. You know, we are relying on Danny Ings to steal the show, if you like. You know, to put the ball in the back of the net. And it, we're now sort of relying now on this talisman that is Danny Ings. You know, scored his fourth goal in the row at the weekend. Smart, sort of composed finish. Uh, sort of pouncing on that little error that uh, as the ball comes over from the centre back, so they try to play it to midfield. Hoiberg intercepts it, gets it onto Danny Ings, who knocks it past Cody, who could have easily that could have been blown up by a, a sort of a handball. And it's quite smart in his approach to goal here as well. He sort of plays it across uh, Willie yeah. Bolo, who, who, who if uh, he touches, he could have gone down for a penalty. But takes a quick look up, sees a, a Patricio oncoming, and then just slots it away in the opposite corner. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I thought that the move to run towards Bolly is, is almost counterintuitive, but it, you're absolutely right. It it almost makes it impossible for Bolly to make any sort of challenge. And again, fair play to Danny Ings. You know, he had a very, arguably had a an easier chance maybe just before that when the ball was passed to him by a Wolves defender on the mm. edge of the penalty box and he sort of just taps it back to the to Patricio. Fair play to him for not letting his head go down and for and for much, such a smart finish. But again, you know, it's a goal that's kind of come from Ings pressuring a centre back from you know from the opposition making a mistake. And we need to move away from those. We need to start scoring our own you know, hard earned goals. Mm, and you know, we've seen that sort of influence from Redmond and, and uh, to some extent War Prowse last season, but none of which has sort of caught fire this season. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Will Prowse is, is a funny one. He's, he does look out of sorts. He's almost lost the spark from last year, uh, which is very worrying. You'd think this would have been the season he really would have kicked on. But, uh, you know, he's not. And uh, 
you know, he still hasn't really, you know, he's got a few goals last season, but you could argue still not really found his shooting boots. Mm, another comment here. I'd like to see more of Shea Adams. Uh, I'd encourage him to get on the ball more, but I, I think he needs the chance back in the same team to have his opportunity in front of goal. And, um, you know, also begs the question, sort of what is our sort of uh, best lineup? You have to say, you know, is it Shea Adams alongside Danny Ings and sort of, or is it a, uh, a four-three-three, a three-five-two, etc. This is this is the the big question for Saints, and I don't think anyone knows. We we want clearly want to play four-two-two-two, but we just look so weak at the back with only two centre backs that we're almost forced to play a, a sort of five-three-two. And if you play that, you know, you can't drop Redmond, you can't drop Ings. So where does that leave players like Shea Adams? Um, Shea Adams' bad run in front of goal isn't just a Saints bad run. I think you know he was. Towards the end of last season, I think he didn't score for something like eight or nine games mm. for Birmingham. So his actual, you know, his goal-scoring streak is well, non-goal-scoring streak is something like sixteen games now. Which is, you know, it's half a season. You know, the positive thing about Shea Adams though is he keeps making the runs. It keeps causing people problems. But again, you know, he doesn't seem to be first choice, and you know, certainly or even really second choice moment for the Saints. And you could argue that Ralph is being quite cautious. In games and you know chucking on a, a forward is maybe you know when you've got a point you can retrieve do you do you sort of chuck on another midfielder like an Armstrong to keep the ball or do you chuck on another forward and if we're playing cautious then you know, I'm afraid Shay Adams is one of the players that's going to miss out yeah it's also unsettling for us as well and a lot of us have caught on to the fact that Ralph was making these late substitutions uh, again sort of quite late the weekend 75 minutes in and very reluctant to make the changes against Chelsea as Jeff has commented here in on on YouTube yeah I would agree and, and it seems to be the same substitutions every time you know Armstrong comes on for nine minutes eight minutes or so to do something clever to either try and keep the ball or to try and create something um one of the things we don't seem to have is a real dynamic sort of sense of substitutions when things are going wrong. We don't sort of step in and change them immediately. Ralph obviously really believes in the system. Um, you know, he's in Ralph we trust, but I think we could do with seeing some some real imagination from the subs that we just sort of don't get. But I wonder if that's the sort of players we have on the bench now. I know Joss Sims, um, you know, Boo found a little bit inconsistent to say the least. You know, does he really feel he has game changers off the bench? I'm not sure he does. Yeah, I think he made a little bit of a mistake here sending Josh Sims on loan to New York Red Bulls, who opened his account at the weekend. Mm, uh, really for, good goal. For the season, yeah, well taken. Uh, good good uh, play from him in the end. But uh, lastly then, on, on the Wolves sort of uh, uh, notes here, uh, of course, the, the the lead didn't last very long as, as it never does with, with Saints, does it really? <laughs> uh, clumsy defending, I think, um, you know, two opportunities to clear it at first. You know, I, I actually argued it was a penalty just after the game, but after watching it back, sort of we harvard half a dozen times afterwards, you know, the reverse angles, all sorts of other uh, key, key angles. Uh, it does appear that uh, Doherty does swing his leg over Huyberg to find the foul. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like uh, from where, even before Doherty is fouled, you can sort of see what he's aiming to do. He's aiming, you know, he's aiming to draw contact. Saints are stupid as well. Saints are naive players like Hoiberg, you know, lots of international caps, played in the Bundesliga, played at the top level. They shouldn't be falling for it. Um, but at the same time, you know, fair play to Doherty. He makes that run. It's very direct. We stand off him. And in the end, he wins the penalty and the referee gets no assistance from VAR. And this is yeah. one of the crazy things of VAR, where VAR is so willing to step in and, you know, make very marginal calls. 
uh, on things to, to stop goals. But well, I don't think this season there's been a single time when a referee has given a penalty, not for Saints, but against any team when when a penalty has been given and the ref and the VAR hasn't overruled it, which is something VAR can do. Mm. And you'd argue that's where referees need the, need the help. Um, it, it, yeah, for me, it was the, the charitable, most charitable thing I could say. It was a very, very, very soft penalty. Mm. Well, I mean, if you look at the decisions over the course of the weekend, I think De Bruyne was denied a stone wall penalty at the weekend at uh, in the Man City game. But, you know, so far this season, I think uh, VAR, uh, however we signed him from, I'm not sure, come out of obscurity, must have been scouted by the black box for somewhere, but he's <laughs> been our best defender. Or she, you know, it's 2019 after all. It's the modern world. It's the modern world. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank God for VAR. I mean, if you think, where would we be? I mean, we'd have, you know, that goal against Sheff from Sheffield United would have been given. Um, I think, you know, Brighton's goal would, I, I hope it wouldn't be given, but, you know, Saints don't really seem like a team that's going to come back from 1-0 down and win a game 2-1. Um, so, yeah, the VAR decisions for us have been at pivotal moments in games. Um, and I think, you know, we're going to need that luck to go into the weekend. Yeah, and to answer your question there, Mark, our best sign of the summer has been Ronald Var. So uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, right, and, and as we say, so we would have taken a point before before the start of play, and it is has stopped the rot. So uh, it doesn't sort of um, you know win us three points, but it's not going to be diff- easy then again this this Friday as Leicester third in the Premier League visit in St Mary's. Yeah, I mean, and Leicester are a really good team, aren't they? They're kind of what Saints should be doing right now. I think. Players like Madison, you know, heavily linked with Saints before he went to Leicester. We ended up with Stuart Armstrong. I think you could argue that Leicester got the better side of that one. Saints obviously maybe didn't want to spend the money or, you know, he was more happy to go to Leicester. But yeah, it's a fascinating game on Friday. Saints really do have a home hoodoo. Um, you know, I think maybe the crowd get on their back just faster than they do at St Mary's than they do away from home. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's sometimes a little, sometimes a bit hostile to to some extent, and and difficult to get some some sort of atmosphere going at St Mary's. Uh, I think we're desperate to find some sort of form. We haven't made St Mary's a fortress for a long time, and that's why we're picking up more points away from home because there's less pressure. Yeah, and if you look, I mean, our home games this season, Man United aside, the performances have been. Yeah, Liverpool performance is good, but obviously we get no points. So, you know, we really could do with kicking on. But this is a really hard game. You know, Leicester have real quality going forward. The sort of player like Jamie Vardy, with his pace, with his intelligence and his experience that he has, you know, could cause our centre-backs real, real problems. They've got quality in midfield with Madison. They've got quality at the back. They're just a really good team. And... I think they're one point ahead of where they were when they won the championship. Um, um, you know, so the sky's the limit for this Leicester team, really. But Saints are going to have to be on top, top form to get anything from the game. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers has sort of uh, added a bit of extra spice to this team, haven't they? Uh, they've got sort of a young, dynamic side, albeit sort of a Jamie Vardy side, but he's spearheading the attack, running onto balls. He'll never sort of uh, give up, will he? Sort of into his 32s now. Um, but building the team around the likes of Madison Tielemann signed from uh, a permanent deal in the summer, Ricardo and Chilwell, two fantastic fullbacks at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at that, I mean, that's the difference, isn't it? With Saints, you know, we'll try and uncover a diamond. Uh, you look at that, you know, Leicester went and bought in Tielemann's a top, top world-class midfielder that, you know, just off the shelf went and got him rather than hoping that he turns good. 
Madison, you could argue, was probably the best young English player, um, certainly outside the Premier League, but you could probably argue full stop before he signed for Leicester. So we have, you know, they've really stepped up. And I think the problem with Saints, and this is not a revolutionary thought, is that, you know, we've tried to get it right with a number of signings and our signings are just off. Um, you know, the more money we've paid for players, the worse they are. Yeah, well, this is this is this is down to the recruitment process and, and Ross Wilson and Les Reed and, and and the people before him. But it is a chance for uh, for a fresh start, I guess, in the next sort of coming months. But I guess that's a conversation for another day. Uh, and uh, whilst we sort of wait, what's going to happen there? They're after this kind of uh, what is it? A player trading expert? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, I think the 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 strange thing with Saints is that. You know, for so many years, we heard about this intelligent black spot, black box system that thinks differently, that, you know, we're looking at players that are 18, knowing we're going to sign them when they're 23. Um, you know, and then we just seem to sort of sign players like Carrillo, you know, who don't seem to fit that mould at all. You know, we've got a huge number of these players that we must be paying a fortune in wages to. Carrillo, Hoyt, out on loan. Um, you know, we've got really already classy. You could argue Vestergaard is not lived up to his billing it, it, it's quite hard really to to look at you know where the successes have been in the transfer market in the last few years i think you could probably argue redmond and um and danny ings are probably two of the only real impact players uh, I'd, I'd argue pierre mahoyberg as well sort of now yeah, become the point. captain and bednarek as well i think but but again you know even bednarek bednarek wasn't an expensive signing you know again the more money we spend the less impactful our signings seem to be. And mm. that's, you know, that's a legacy we've got on Ross Wilson and we really need to turn that around because, you know, in three or four months, if we continue a really bad run of form, we might be staring down the barrel of relegation and then, you know, the whole recruitment policy looks completely different. Mm, right. Uh, on to Friday night, Dan, under the lights, front of the TV cameras. How do we approach this then? Uh, uh, Jeff has another question here. How do you consider our game to be high press and which is, what sort of Ralph confessed a favour? Do we do we try go hell for leather and press Leicester high up the pitch on Friday? Well, I think the problem with, with Saints is the press is great until someone unpicks the press. And if you look at, you know, we, we're very actually easy to bypass. We, we press up the pitch, but then if you can get the ball past Romeo, uh, we, you know, then all of a sudden you're attacking a very, very weak defence. I think Saints have to recognize the strengths of of Leicester I think they have to treat them with respect you'd hope that Romeo is maybe appointed to do a number on Madison to try and keep him out of the game you know you'd hope Yoshida is probably or Bednarek is, is left on on Vardy I think Saints have to play the uh, the best game they know which is high press you know we mm. don't seem to be able to score goals from any other style of football so you know, if we can press high and we can cut Vardy off Vardy's supply off then that would seem like our best chance Mm. Uh, but then, if we are if we're pressing hard the pitch, it almost leaves us a little bit vulnerable for that long ball. Yeah, one hundred percent. And this is the this is the dilemma. I mean, you know, what can you do if you've got professional Premier League footballers who have hundreds of Premier League and hundreds of top flight appearances between them? Yeah, and I'm sure Ralph would say this privately. What do you do if they're undone by a simple ball over the top? What do you do if you're you know, your first game of the season, you're away at Burnley, and you're six foot seven? Danish international centre-back who's played the majority of his career in the Bundesliga at the top, top level of European football can't judge a high ball. Mm. Like, that's not Ralph's fault. Um, it's, what do you do? 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. I don't know what you do with Vestergaard. Looks like sometimes looks a bit like Bambi on ice, you know, trying to find his yeah. feet still. He's been there now sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, I think, it, you know, what I would like to to possibly see is, I think, I think Yoshida adds such an element of quality at the back, particularly in terms of uh, recycling the ball and getting it back to the keeper. He's very good on the ball. I'd like to see Danso come in at left-sided centre-back, um, build the team around Bednarek at the centre of a back three with Yoshida on the right-hand side. I think we just look much stronger that way. And, you know, I think we just need three centre-backs. Without three centre-backs, we just look all at sea. Mm, so a couple of com- comments here then. Uh, I guess as you're leading with a little bit of a lineup there, uh, Ryan asks, will Gunn stay in goal? I think he will because I think Ralph, Ralph backed him. And to be fair, he had a, you know, he had a, he had a decent game on Saturday. I don't think he's done quite enough to get dropped, but, uh, you know, I'll stick with him. But I think it's probably good for him that he's got such a quality number two behind him because I think Saints can swap him out any time. Yeah, uh, and there's a few sort of comments on on Shea Adams here. Uh, Andrew says he agrees about Adams. Been disappointed so far. Uh, he's not matched the expectations. When we sign him, his confidence seems very low. But I think it, it, what it is with Shea, just needs to get on the field, maybe make him make a little bit of an impact in the final sort of 10 minutes, get high at the pitch, and just, just needs a bit of fortune for the ball to yeah. you know fall off his shin, off his backside, etc. You're 100% right. If one of those uh, Danny Ings closing down the goalkeeper goals had gone, you know, been done by Shea Adams, I think you'd be looking at a totally different player. The key thing is, is, you know, when he has played, he's not given up. His work rate is high. He creates chances. He just needs one to go in. Um, and, you know, this is not a Shea Adams problem. This is a Saints problem. You know, he's just one of a number of players you could argue that haven't had the return for Saints that they should have done. But, you know, I've got every confidence in Shea Adams. And I think Friday night's an interesting game. You know, you've got Shea Adams, ex Birmingham. You've got Redmond, ex-Birmingham. There is a bit of spice there with, you know, going up against what was a local rival for them. And, you know, it's the sort of game, you know, we saw how much Redmond loved scoring against Wolves last season. You know, it's the sort of game where if Shea Adams can come on and, and make a difference, then it, you know, could make a real uh, boost for him as we head into sort of second half, of the, well, second third of the season, I guess it is. Yeah, so you've so you've named your I guess your defence in in Yoshida Bednarak Danso Danso has to play. You know, we, he hasn't played at centre back at all since he's signed. It's madness, and I mean, you know, you know, I know you've discussed the Bournemouth game in detail, but that was just such a strange thing to do. I mean, you know, he'd had he'd been sent off after playing really well against Man United, and almost his reward was you know when he comes back into the team is to be dropped in at right back uh, when you've got. A European Cup winning right back playing at left back. It's mm. just such a strange thing to do. And yeah, Danso does seem to have the pace and the power and also I think a bit of quality on the ball that we lack at the, at the back. So yeah, I'd love to see Danso come in as, as sort of the left side of a, of a back three. Uh, absolutely. Bertrand's got to play. Saints mm. look so much better with Bertrand. That was madness dropping him. And then Valerie at right back. If we're going to play three centre backs, we can afford to have a bit of a buccaneering fall back and, and I think Valerie's definitely it. Would that be suggesting then Cedric will not be fit for the weekend, Ryan wants to ask, but as it is sort of quite early in the week right now, we won't be hearing Ralph's uh, press conference until sort of uh, Thursday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon I think it'll be, but also Ralph does play his cards quite close to his chest mm-hmm. on these on these press conferences. I mean, if players are out and everyone knows they're out, like a... Um, 
Gineppo, then he's very happy to say so. But often he does spring a surprise. And if a player is a sort of 50-50, you know, the first you'll hear about whether he's made it or not is whether you see him on, on the actual pitch on the night. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you don't hear anything and they try and keep Leicester guessing until an hour before uh, an hour before the game. Right, let's move into midfield then. Uh, do get your comments in as well. Send us your full lineups for the starting eleven. So we named our sort of five there. Uh, we go. Well, I guess Tom's gone for Gunning, Goal, Valerie, uh, Bertrand at the fullbacks, uh, Bednarek, Dancer, Yoshida in midfield. Then Tom, we have to have Romeo. Romeo has been arguably our best player. I think this this season he's really kicked on. I think one of the the things about Romeo that used to drive people mad is he's a bit like Wanyama in that he was a professional footballer who didn't really seem comfortable kicking the ball over any great distance, but he's actually been getting a little off the leash a little bit, I think, by Ralph. And I think he's a real, real quality and I think he's a real consistency. I think he has to play Hoiberg. Um, again, you know, Leicester are going to have lots of energy. They're going to have lots of creativity in midfield and we need someone who can be in there alongside Romeo, breaking things up, recycling the ball. And then... You know, more out of a lack of other options than anything else, I would against it with War Prowse. I, mm. I think he does, you know, he does play better on the right hand side when he's got an overlapping fullback and he does give us an option on set pieces. Although, you know, he didn't get a single assist last season, as far as I think from memory. I don't think he's got an assist yet this season. So, you know, we're terrible at set This is another thing we say, we're terrible yeah. at set pieces. Um, we're awful at throw-ins as well, which is something Carl Anker has highlighted. Now, if you watch our throw-ins, we're terrible at getting the ball off our own throw-ins. Um, but I do think, you know, Wall Prowse gives us a, an element of class, so I'd, I'd see him start. But the, the quality and the consistency is not there. I think it was the first time this season that I've seen War Prowse actually sort of uh, get the ball above and beyond the first man on the corner. So, you know, good to see that. But it, I think he lacks a bit of consistency. So maybe he needs to practice a bit more on those set pieces from corners deliveries rather than spending an extra half an hour, 45 minutes after training on his free kicks. Because how many free kicks do we have? One yeah. in maybe three games? I mean, he had, a, he had a, an opportunity uh, which he, you know, hit pretty good free kick towards the end of the, the Wolves game on Saturday mm. but you know that's not where we're going to score loads of goals you know with the best will in the world you know War Prowse scored two direct free kicks I think last season mm. um, you know not many players score direct free kicks with any real regularity where we where he can really hurt players and really hurt other teams sorry is by working on his crossing his final ball his corners um we're not really hurting players and you know we very rarely create good chances and when we do uh two of which Yoshida have had this season we just can't put them away yeah I think Will Prowse does does himself a bit of a favor here sort of making himself look busy but whilst not actually sort of uh offering any influence on the football game uh uh but I, I would argue that it's a chance now for Buffal to return to the starting level you know he's we've seen him sort of return with a brand new attitude he's pressing really high up the pitch Prime example at Sheffield United, win that ball back to release it mm. for Gineppo. And I think as a chance, Buffal should replace Will Prowse in the, um, in the starting eleven for me. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good shout. I think, fair play to Buffal. I think everyone thought his Saints career was dead and buried. But he's come back, he looks fitter, he looks stronger. Mm. He looks broader than he looked before. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. He's added a real sense of uh, strength and, and robustness to his game that he didn't have before. Uh, and he also... Lyndon- is- Sorry, Sorry please. Yeah. Uh, Lyndon argues uh, Stuart Armstrong should take Wall Prowse as their position. Yeah, you know, it's not a bad shout. I mean, you have to look. I mean, you wonder what Stuart Armstrong has ever really done wrong. Um, Stuart Armstrong, Saints get the ball a lot, 
get to the, you know, we spoke about this already tonight. They get the ball to the final third. They sort of, you know, excuse my language, sort of fanny around a bit with it outside <laughs> the box and then and then lose or take a half shot, which which goes wide or goes over. Armstrong seems to be, maybe with Bufal, one of the only players we've got that could really thread a ball through the eye of a needle. Um, and, and, you know, like he could really make clever killer passes. And that is something Saints lack is, is killer passes for easy goals. So, you know what? I think it's a good argument. I don't think Armstrong has started a game this season. I'm not sure if he, I don't think he has. But, I, you know, not only has he got great hair, but he does hurt people. So I'd love to, you know, I'd be very happy for him to start all Bufa. And and I think we're desperate for us to really get that song going. You know, he's been with us now since last <laughs> season. We've not even heard a peep from that song. We should have stole it from Celtic. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's a class footballer. You know, he's he's a real talent. I think Saints aren't using him, and I, I think it maybe Wal Prowse could again, like you spoke earlier about players being taken out of the firing line. Maybe Wal Prowse could do with that. You know, mm. we are at home. If we're going to play two relatively defensive midfielders in. Hoiberg and Romeo, then an Armstrong wouldn't be a bad thing. And I think what Saints lack is what Sims gave us, which is a player that quickly breaches the the line between midfield and attack. And I think Armstrong will give us that. So, and he can take a mean free kick as well. Mm, absolutely. Well, I think I think there's a two there's a two stirrers here in the comments. Uh, I think purely just doing it to wind us up a little bit. Bobby thinks Jack Stevens should play instead <laughs> of War Prowse, and Ab uh, Abdub. 63 thinks Lewis should go in goal, but we haven't seen Harry Lewis, Lewis at this yeah, season. Well, that, that would be brave. Look, I think uh, the Jack Stevens point is an interesting one. It's something that John and I have spoken about a few times, which is Jack Stevens, nicest guy in, on the planet by all accounts, does isn't actually a very comfortable defender. He's not particularly good in the air. He's not hugely strong and he makes a lot of mistakes, which leads to goal scoring chances. I think what, Jack Stevens is very good at is passing the ball and controlling the ball and making opportunities for other players and I think there is an argument that yeah if you were to you could almost have Jack Stevens as a as a defensive midfielder mm. a box-to-box defensive midfielder you know free him of the obligation of having to defend last-ditch balls into the box put him in front of a defense and I actually think he'd actually work pretty well but right now yeah, he seems a mile away from that team, and and I think yeah, he's probably his days at Saints are probably numbered. Yeah, when he was transferred listed in the summer, he's been a bit bit of a castaway, unable to get his move away. I think he only played in the Burnley game at the start of the season. There are sort of possibilities that he could fill in, and perhaps for Dan Sozo, who could well be a defensive midfielder in the future too. Right, wrap us up then with the uh, the rest of your formation. Two left has to be Ings, has to be Redmond. I mean, if you look, Redmond is the one player that you can absolutely rely on he watching him up close he's a he's a, he's a magician you know his ability to get the ball out of a, a tight area and make something happen for saints is, is incredible and all our best stuff i think comes by redmond so you can't see him being dropped and same with danny Ings. you know he's the, probably the first striker i'd argue we've had probably since pella that looks actually like a really smart finisher um and, and, you know, you, you just can't drop him. And the challenge with Ings is how do we keep him fit? But everything you hear out of him, everything you hear out of the club is that they've worked tremendously hard on that. So, you know, we, we're going to have to play players that give Leicester something to worry about at the back. And I think Redmond and, uh, and Ings are the two that do that. 
Yeah, those are, those are our two brightest uh, players at the moment. Uh, Ryan's lineup is Gunn, Yoshida, Bertrand, Valerie, Bednarek, Danso, Romeo. So far, so good, uh, as per your uh, predictions there, Tom. But Buffal this time instead of Ward Prowse, Hoiberg, Ings, Redmond. So just change for one, uh, just change uh, one change for Ryan there. Uh, right. And one thing as well, I think we are desperate, absolutely desperate to uh, wash away this this awful kind of home form. We are the worst performing home side in the Premier League. And uh, we tend to be up for it a little bit. The atmosphere gets going, the flamethrowers, the fireworks, all sorts of rubbish, knickknacks and uh, clappers. I hope that hopefully there isn't any clackers at the, uh, on, on Friday, but uh, we tend to be up for it sort of on, on evening games. Yeah, we do. But then, you know, we would have thought that about the Bournemouth game as well. Wow. I think, do, I don't know, I'd love to know whether players treat it differently because it's on TV. Uh, do they wilt under the pressure a little bit more? I, I'd hope not, but we need a really strong performance. This is going to be a really difficult game to get a strong performance. I think if Saints can get anything, I think, I'd, you know, again, I'd take a draw out of this game. We're in a horrible run of difficult games at the moment. Uh, this is one of them. I think if we can even get a point on, on Friday night, a positive point, you know, we attack, uh, you know, score a couple of goals, maybe see a couple of different goal scorers. I think that would be really positive. And, you know, I have to say I would take a point right now. Yeah, I think that would almost be a little bit of a, a springboard, you know, take some positivity. Let's go to the Tuesday night game at Man City, win that game. I think we can afford to probably sack off the away game because uh, Man City probably will have other priorities. I think we've got to go for the cup game, play as best we can and then sort of return back home. You know, a bit worrying really to sort of be all the way into November without a home win. Yeah, but this is, you know, this terrible home form for Saints goes back to, you know, Pellegrino. Um, it, it's, you know, we're just really, really poor at home. And I, I think no matter what he does, we just have to, if we could just get a bit of luck, you know, get an early penalty, get them down to 10, anything at all, mm. please, God, anything that we can get. <laughs> I just I just take that because, you know, Leicester are real quality. Mm. Uh, right, predictions then. Let's sign us off then. Ryan's kickstarted us with a 2-0 Saints victory, Ings and Redmond to score. What do you think then, Tom? That would be a dream, wouldn't it? I think, we're, I think we will score. Um, I think that we can, I think I'll probably predict a one-all draw. I'd probably go Ings for Saints and Vardy for Leicester. I think a one or two would be a good result for Saints and I think it would allow us to, you know, to just put some breathing space between us and those three defeats. Yeah, uh, Ings, I think it's probably going to be a banker for a goal. Uh, five in a row, that's got to be closing in on a club record somewhere or along the lines. Uh, maybe it might just be Premier League or sort of in this century, if you like, but it'd be good to see Danny Ings on the score sheet and we've got to keep Jamie Vardy quiet. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he is their talisman. Uh, if we can keep him out of the game, then, you know, that's half of the job done for Saints. But at the same time, sorry, as you say, you know, got quality over the pitch, Pereira, Madison, Tielmans, you know, Damari Gray, even a player that's hurt Saints in the past. So, you know, uh, I, I think we've got a we've got a tough job on Friday, but I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see a strong performance from Saints. Mm. Abdub predicts a two-two draw, and I'm I'm pretty certain, uh, Bobby, you're a wind-up merchant, a three-nil Vestergaard hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't even think Bobby's a real panda either. 
<laughs> we, we've called your bluff there, Bobby, but good to see you. Uh, Alex as well, optimistic 2-2. So any one of those results, I think it would be quite fair for Saints and sort of a, a bit of a springboard as well. Right, yeah. I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up about that. A bit, a bit over time, uh, just over 45 minutes on the live stream. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Tom. And just to remind everybody, oh, I'll sort of, uh, can we expect a, a episode, the official episode 74 next week whilst John returns from holiday? I very much hope so. I love a word with John to get his suntan lotion off and, and get him in the studio. But yeah, very, very much hope so. <laughs> Great stuff. And thanks to all of you in the comments, uh, all of your sort of uh, comments, uh, you know, sort of winding us up and all sorts. But great to join. Great for you to have you in the conversation. That's it from us. And we'll speak to you uh, later on on sort of Friday night uh, with some fan reactions. Cheers, Freddie. There you have it then. Thank you once again then to Tom, or the co-host of the Saints FC podcast. And I'm sure there will be another episode next week as John returns from his holidays in Portugal. Episode 74, it will be next week. Uh, do head over to uh, all of the channels uh, on Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, uh, and also on our YouTube playlist to... Uh, check back in with John and Tom next week on the show but thank you very much and that is it from us that's full time on this week's show uh, no away guide to chat about just yet uh, but do check back on a Friday uh, night or sort of Saturday morning wherever you are waking up or going to bed in the world uh, after the Leicester City game uh, for your fan reactions and uh, also do try and make a uh, uh, wake up early on on uh, Saturday morning between 10 and 12. We are on the airwaves, on the wireless on 103.9 Voice FM. We chat all things Saints covering the two latest games, the latest news, the infamous ins and outs. And it'd be great to hear from you. And uh, it'd be great if you can tune in and join us. But thanks very much then for listening to the Southampton versus Leicester City big match build up show. We'll speak to you next week and up the Saints.